All right, here we are. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Amazon Sellers Happy Hour. I am your hostess with the mostest, Leslie Hensel, co-founder of Riverbend Consulting, where we try and solve all of your burning questions, terrible problems, account-ending issues with Amazon. And today I am joined by a very special guest. I have Mitch Ledman, and he is the General Manager of Sales and E-Commerce. Oh my goodness, that's just a whole lot to say. <laughs> for Pierce Capital. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me, Mitch. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really looking forward to helping uh, sellers get some knowledge on uh, cash flow and everything along those lines. Oh, look, we got a change in our background here. We had to we had to move what y'all we were still stuck in last week. Last week was prosper. Um, prosper when all of the people of the industry get together in Vegas and drink too much and talk about e-commerce and all of our challenges we have. Uh, so now we've moved back to our Riverbend blue and orange here. Um, yes. So what Pierce Capital does, y'all, is they they help you to not go broke because of cash flow issues. Um, cash flow is probably one of the top things, Mitch, that I heard people talk about at Prosper last week. It is like the burning question and issue, especially with all of the delays in getting product shipped, um, having to pay up front in many cases, and then of course the very painful costs right now of getting uh, your cargo um, sent over. So, so talk to me a little bit about when you talk to sellers every day and they are worried about cash because that is what your client base is right they've got cash issues um what are they usually using the capital for that they are getting from pierce capital what what are their top needs i would say the number one thing people are using capital for is inventory uh as we just spoke about as you all know the post-pandemic world lead times are crazy the costs of getting things out internationally are going higher and higher as we speak about. And people are right now forecasting for how much inventory they need to sell during the Q4, which is obviously the biggest sales season in the e-commerce space, in the Amazon space. So everyone is kind of coming to me with like these projections of what when they need to buy inventory, how much they need the capital for, because they don't have enough cash on hand to make that immediate purchase. Well, and let's just admit what the dirty secret of Amazon is. At least I think it's the dirty secret of Amazon. A lot of private label sellers come in and they do not realize how cash hungry the business is. If you really want to drive and maintain that bestseller rank, if you really want to push for you know, PPC campaigns and to really get your sales up because you cannot run out of stock ever and you want to keep growing. So each order gets bigger and bigger and you're not really taking much cash out of the business, which I think shocks people because it is not a business model that you're used to in the real world, in the non-e-commerce world, if that makes sense. <laughs> no, no, exactly. Like you mentioned, I mean, it's a very cash intensive business. I mean, people are chasing revenue. They, they need the capital to kind of invest in either new product launches, going overseas, just buying these in inventory. And I mean, the worst thing you can do is buy a lot too much inventory and then get hit with all the fees that we know Amazon loves to charge you and cut into those margins. But I would say, yeah, right now, it's just where to position where People need capital in order to just buy and combat with these inventory and supply chain issues that are going on. Okay, so you mentioned all the fees. Talk a little bit about how buying 
too much inventory can actually harm your business because it that is what makes this a delicate balancing act. Of course. I mean, you're trying to, like you mentioned, balance what you should you have FBA versus what you should have in transit and whatnot. I would say having too much inventory simply just going to go into more fees for your storage fees on the Amazon platform, right? You need things to be in transit. You need things to have in, in FBA. You have a healthy uh, cycle within that atmosphere. And having too much inventory is just going to hurt your pocket in the long run, right? You want to be make you want to make sure that everything is selling through. Everything is producing in the right capacity in the right cycle. And if you're having too much inventory on hand, sitting and not making you money, you're just paying fees for it for no reason. Absolutely, and I think people don't realize how deep the fees can get and how quickly, um, especially if you're launching a new product, you're relatively new and it's taking a while to move. You can be really shocked at the end of month one, month two, when those fees hit. Exactly. And especially like the new product launches, like you mentioned, I mean, people are trying to scramble to find new things, new ideas, get things out there. But again, you have to have that healthy balance. You have to forecast, you have to see what's working, what's not working, the fees you're paying, the cost of all these different factors that play into effect. Because at the end of the day, you don't want to use capital or have things that are hurting your pocket rather than making you money. So what does healthy cash flow look like for an Amazon business? Um, kind of a loaded question. I know, right? I mean, <laughs> I would I would say like a healthy cash flow cycle is when you have enough, you want to be profitable and you want to have enough money where you can invest into large inventory purchases, right? That's the way you're going to be able to grow and forecast and really expand your business. You also want to have enough money to then potentially hire employees and hire staff in order to really dial in on certain aspects of your business that you might not be able to pay attention to on a 24-7 basis, right? Number three, you want to you expand products. You want to diversify your portfolio. That's, that's the name of the game. Um, more products, more brands, and you a healthy cash flow cycle with healthy profit margins is going to allow you to do that because at the end of the day, you're going to be growing your business and then using money to help you make money. Okay, so a few times you've mentioned forecasting. Yeah. So talk to me some about forecasting because I think this is an area where not very many sellers have a lot of confidence. Um, and a lot of times it's because they haven't had good success. It's also so deeply affected by seasonality in this business. Um, people learn very quickly that you have to really place giant buys um, by May and June uh, if you want to be ready for Christmas and not blow the Christmas season, which is super important. So with, with forecasting, I am assuming that is something that you are deeply involved in with your clients to make sure that they're actually making the right decisions about how much capital they want for their business. Exactly. And we're already starting to see people start buying inventory for Q4 right now. That's how it's gotten to the point. And then forecasting, I mean, it varies from business by business basis. You have to know what your product is, when your seasons are, and you have to know when the big inventory pushes are going to be able to come into play. So you leveraging capital in that aspect is just going to be able to help you grow your brand and forecasting is going to be able to help you dial in on when your business can be most profitable through the sell-throughs. Hope that makes sense. 
It does. It does. Are there specific tools that you've seen sellers have good success with? Or are we talking old fashioned pulling spreadsheets and reports out of your account? I'm talking old fashioned, old school CFOs, accounts, pulling everything out of their accounts, going in through the numbers, seeing what worked, using historical averages and really just dialing in and making the best decision for their business. It, again, it's it's a business by business basis. I wish I had the one size fits all answer. Unfortunately, I, and as we, you know, it's just it's not that simple or not that cut and dry. Well, and um, I I I just like having any feedback at all from you because traditionally, if you're out there looking for a lender, or you're out there talking to your bank, talking to a small business lender, they don't understand uh, e-commerce at all. And the fact that you even have um, the word e-commerce in your job title shows that (laughs) you're at a company that is actually focused on and understands that lending uh, with e-commerce is not some scary creature from the deep, right? I I think a lot of brick and mortar and tradition, it's so funny because this is a conversation we should have been having in 2000 instead of 2022. I don't really understand why... um, traditional banks and and brick and mortar lenders haven't really caught up and don't understand or don't have a department or a person or something who understands that e-com is just a different way of doing business that has less overhead. Yay. Um, (laughs) Exactly. I mean, we don't understand, we don't understand either, but again, traditional banks, I mean, they, they just, they want to control kind of how you're spending, what you're spending on. They put a lot of different covenants in their contracts. And it's because, like you said, they don't understand the nature of the beast. They don't understand how revenue intensive or uh, e-commerce industry is, how selling on Amazon, you're moving toys or jewelry, whatever the case may be, how the business model actually works, how to, how they're sourcing debt, how they're sourcing um uh, or manu- sourcing from suppliers or manufacturing different things. They don't understand the ins and outs. Yeah, I I agree. And there's also some fear. It's almost like they don't think the business is real, which I don't I don't understand. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, because you you do come across some fraud. You you definitely do. Yeah. And I banks are definitely going to fine tune everything and really look at business at the deepest deepest level. And they're worried about, is your business going to be profitable in the next 5, 10, 15 years? So when they're underwriting and they're looking at those factors, they they know that some of the e-commerce businesses, their margins are extremely low. They're cash intensive. Some of them aren't even profitable when they're applying. So it's very hard for them to make those kind of calculated decisions on the spot. Because if, and if they could, I mean, it would be beneficial for the sellers, right? Because they have access to great capital. But unfortunately, it's just not the way it is right now. Well, and I'm I'm someone who is a, a little old school when it comes to finance. So I find it really interesting that you're focused on e-commerce, but the underwriting kind of thoughts and the forecasting thoughts, you're still very much in the old school finance world of let's make sure it's real. Because to me, when you're subjecting all of your numbers to um, the scrutiny of the spreadsheet and 
<laughs> playing out what the numbers are going to look like in 12 months based on formulas, um, not based on how you manipulate a report. Uh, that is that is old school finance applied to a new business model, which to me makes a lot of sense because there are so many sellers out there who don't know their numbers. They don't really know if they're profitable. Um, they might not be. Uh, and they don't realize it even until the end of the year. So I, I like that approach that you're, you are applying the very real, very old school MBA business model <laughs> to the e-commerce business to make sure that, that they're, that they're worth funding. You can't fund people who aren't worth funding. Of course. And like, like you mentioned, I mean, it's, it is old school sales are sales. Revenue is revenue, right? So if you're looking at what the revenue is for an Amazon merchant, and looking at how long he's been in business, what he's selling, what industry. There is no different than Amazon seller X who sells toys versus your local toy shop in New York City. One just has a little less overhead than the actual retail brick and mortar. And that's really just simply put. Very, very true. Okay, so tell me what you are looking for, because I think that there are people out there who would be attracted to um, let's say a little more traditional lending instead of some of the alternative methods that are out there for e-commerce folks <laughs> and, and would love to know what it is that makes them attractive to someone like Pierce Capital. Well, we're looking for sellers or merchants who are in the position where they want to grow and take advantage of whether it's inventory opportunities, new product launches, overseas expansion. We want to be. We want to serve as a partner that just provides the sort of capital injection to help you with your growth plans. As far as the criteria that we're looking for, I would say that you would want to be selling for at least a year. You want to be have at least ten thousand dollars a month in sales, and have have a sh sh strong business, a strong business model. I mean, we we do take a look at the business. We took a look at the business score. But overall, we want to make sure that you've been around at least a year so we can kind of see you kind of know what you're doing and just have some sales come in that we could see. All right. We know you're generating some revenue. You just need a little bump to really get you over the edge. So you don't have to be giant and old. No, you don't. To be considered, because to me, that's very minimal criteria. 10000 a month. That's very low sales. Very low sales. Right. Um, we try to make this our programs open to everyone. For the most part, we try to bring in like the majority of, of this Amazon seller market if they do need capital. And yeah, we're, we're pretty quick in our process. I mean, compared to like you mentioned before, a traditional bank that could take two to three months and you don't even, you might get rejected at the end of the day. Whereas we come in there within 24 hours and could put down some offers for you. Well, yeah, in a traditional bank, they, they'll they take two or three months, ask you the color of your underwear and exactly. and make you sign over your children, and then they'll offer you $500. Of course, exactly. You're, you're in a limbo stage with them. You don't know what's going to happen, if they're going to come through with what you need. And then when they do come through, it, it, it comes with a, a heavy price to pay. The other complaint that I've heard is that um, when people have gotten a credit line, for example, with their traditional bank that they've had a long-term relationship with and now they're moving into e-commerce is that they can't get credit line increases. So what they get is what they get and you put up with it and you have to completely reapply to get anything more. And I, that's, that's very frustrating to me because again, that's just the limitation of not understanding e-commerce and not wanting to. And you know, as well as I do, the sellers who hit it with a new product or with the new brand, they grow so fast 
that you're foolish to turn them down as a client for financing. They're the ones who can really make some money off of. Exactly. And it's, it's a shame that, like you mentioned, like these credit facilities aren't, aren't doing that, but um, yeah, no, it's, these guys are in hyper growth mode and once they, they hit it big, they hit it. And it, it's a proud moment. We have that opportunity to just give them that little boost. Right. And, and help them grow with it. Because unlike traditional banks, we can help you fund throughout the year multiple times, increase your lines, all that fun stuff. Okay. And so let's talk for one second about something very unpleasant, um, which is you have to keep good books, y'all, if you want uh, someone like Mitch to give you credit and then to expand your line of credit as you grow. Uh you have to keep good books that are updated. So what what do you recommend for people? Are they closing their books every single month? Old school? Is is it is every six months soon enough to do it? What what are you looking for as far as cleanliness of the financials? We're not even going into their profit and loss statements. We're looking at their bank statements. Oh, okay. Interesting. Last, yeah, we're just looking at the last three to six months and seeing what goes into this. And we're looking at some of the Amazon sales data because we know that they take a lot of the fees out before they go into the banks. And we can essentially put out offers up to 100% of what their average monthly sales are based on how strong their business is. So you're really looking at cash flow and profitability based on cash flow. Cash flow, exactly. You could tell a lot. Profitability based on cash flow, not based on all of the other factors. Exactly. Right. Got it. Got it. Well, that's really interesting. And also the uh, the Amazon sales reports are super reliable. No one can play with that data. It's it's good data. Like if <laughs> like if you can really get in and look at someone's account, you know how real their sales are. We've all seen those screenshots, y'all, of look at all my sales for this month. Um, and you have no idea if they're losing money on all those uh, after Amazon takes their fees. But when when you can really get into someone's account and look at their Amazon statements, uh, it, it gets really clear really fast if they're if they're making money and if they're growing. Um, there's nowhere to hide. Nowhere to hide. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it does make sense because you're right. These aren't over uh, high overhead businesses. A lot of them only have a few employees, so it's not like you're super concerned about their overhead, right? We're not super concerned about their overhead. We're just we're looking at the cash flow. We're looking at their revenue, what they're generating, and then a little bit of what they're what they're taking out, what they're spending their money on. If a guy's bringing in a hundred thousand dollars a month, but he's spending one hundred fifty thousand dollars a month, I wouldn't say that's an ideal client of ours. Right, right. Okay, so I'm interested in what you said earlier. I heard you, you said people are already buying their inventory for Q4. Yes, they are. Yes, so, so here's here's your challenge question of the day. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, so I'm a newer seller. Let's pretend I'm not. I've been selling since 2010. But let's say I'm a newer seller and um, I've got a good product and I really want to load up the warehouse for Q4. Um, but I have a relatively short sales history compared to this, what, I've got seven months, eight months before my sales were really going to blow and go for Q4. So how do I convince you to give me the kind of cash I need to order the inventory I need right now for fourth quarter so it gets here on time? Well, it'll all depend on how much you're looking for, right? Right? Because I mean, we, we don't know what the purchase order is going to be. So, I mean, if you're doing $100,000 a month, let's just hypothetically say, mm -hmm. 
you can you can probably qualify for that 100 120,000 right 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 off the bat if you're doing 5 to 10,000 dollars a month and you're a little bit maybe you're doing like 5 to 10,000 dollars a month we can't give you that 100k if you're a little bit seasonal we'd like to take a look at the whole entire picture the whole 12 month cycle of your bank statements and see what season's your best what are you doing what are we getting ourselves into are you good for the capital that we provide and that's really what it comes down to in our underwriting process. We deal with seasonality a lot. I mean, it's no secret that Q4 is the biggest season for the e- for e-commerce clients. And then you see a little bit of a decrease in January and February. Some people really deep dive, but we understand that. And we can find ways to work around that and work with our, with our clients if they qualify. So you can really work it if you're smart and you can get a reasonable turnaround on your manufacturing if you can turn and burn the inventory, hype up your PPC, uh, do some other promotions, expand your line of credit, do it again, do it again, do it again. Um, Because you can't, you don't, I'm just thinking from a business standpoint, it's not enough to uh, impress buyers on Amazon. You have to impress whoever's financing you too. Exactly. I mean, and yeah, like you mentioned, we're we're there for you. Like capital wise, if that's your business model, if you want to spend that on marketing and increase your PPC and spend, get through that inventory and get funding every few months, we're all for it. We're all, we're all there to help you grow. Well, this, this has been fascinating. Okay. So any, anything else about uh, financing your business that you think uh, our sellers should know about right now in the challenges of today? I would leave them with this. If you can't make money with our money, probably shouldn't be taking our money. And what that means is you you should have a cap. You should have a plan in place on how you're able to leverage capital in order to grow and expand your business. Whether that being buying inventory for the future, dialing in your marketing, hiring new employees, launching products. The list goes. On. You, the answer is most all. Of them. And you're just taking capital, you're actually hurting yourself rather than helping yourself in a situation that you don't want to find something. I hope this is anyone. I love that answer because it's a conversation we have internally about some of our clients who use other people's money. And uh, whether it is equity or debt, they are relying on other people's money to run their business. And um, most of the time, the cleanest businesses that we work with, the ones that are doing everything the right way, like Amazon rules and being careful of business structure, are the people using other people's money. They can't play. Um, And we always really notice it when there's someone using OPM and yet they're playing fast and loose with the rules. They're trying to skirt things, be creative in ways that you're really not supposed to be creative. And uh, it's it's a big red flag for us internally about that particular client. So it's really the same kind of thing. It's a, it's a good way to think about your business. If you're playing every decision you make, would you make it if you knew it was with other people's money? And if that other people were like your dad or something, right? <laughs> yeah. No, you're... You're 100% right. And it really is that, that simple. You have to be extremely careful. But with that risk comes reward. So right. if you have it all planned out, if 
and you are going to take chances. Some things might work. Some things might not work. But don't be careless, right? You can't be careless because that's how you screw everything up. <laughs> right. Responsible risk-taking. And if there wasn't responsible risk-taking, I wouldn't have a business. So exactly, absolutely. I'm right there with you. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Mitch. This has been very enlightening. Um, I, I love talking about different ways that people can grow their businesses. And right now, I think especially with the increased costs of transportation, uh, more people are looking for financing than would have in the past. So if, uh, if people wanna ask you questions, talk about their account, see if they can get some help, how do they reach out? You can message me on LinkedIn. Uh, we can, you, can mess, you can go to my email, Mitchell at PierceCapital.com or my phone number on. Try my phone number out loud, 646-647-8302. <laughs> I love it, Mitch. We are believers in answering our phones. And that actually makes us um, unique in, the, in our market space that we have people, we have humans who answer our phone during the day. So I, I applaud your willingness to <laughs> put yeah. your phone number out there. Yeah. Call, calling is better. I like to hear people's voices. Just better conversation. People can hide behind a text. That is so true. Well, thank you again for joining me and everyone out there who is watching live or watching later. Um, please be sure and like and share and connect and do all those great things. If you uh, follow me on LinkedIn, I have new content about Amazon every single day. And we will be back again next week with more great information for all of you sellers. So take care, everyone, and happy selling. Thank you.